experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. I'm not one who usually makes big, bold predictions, but my feeling is, is that we are at the beginning of a new bull market. I know to some of you, this may sound like crazy talk. Just look where we're at. Unemployment is over 8%. Businesses are closing left and right. State and local governments, well, they're facing shortfalls. Heck, we can't even send our kids to school. And you're right. Things don't look great. But then again, bull markets don't start when things look great. They start when things look ugly. I'm not saying we're off to the races and to get fully invested today. Actually, I think the next couple of months are going to be kind of rocky, to say the least, which is great because we can use the time to position our portfolios for the future. What do I mean by a new bull market in terms of equity returns or stock market returns? I don't think it's far-fetched to think that the market will double in the next seven years, maybe even sooner. There's something called the rule of 72. What that says is if you take the number 72 and divide it by your rate of return, that's how long it'll take for your investment to double. So for example, this is just hypothetical. If you have an investment that returns 10%, you take the 72, you divide by 10, and you get 7.2. So your investment will double in 7.2 years. If the market goes up on average 10% a year, it'll basically double in about seven years. Make sense? What I'm saying is I don't think it's too, too crazy to think that the market could average slightly higher than 10% a year over the next couple of years or next few years, rather. We're only going to know after the fact, of course, but I don't think it's unreasonable. If I'm right, the market that's now around 3,400 could be around 7,000 by 2028. Why am I coming out and saying this now? Because the Fed, our central bank, has come out and said, they're going to play Rip Van Winkle. They're going to go to sleep for a while. They've said that they're willing to accept inflation risk, which is another way of saying we're not going to touch interest rates for a long, long while. Low interest rates mixed with all the fiscal and monetary stimulus makes for a pretty potent cocktail. And the last time we had this type of cocktail was after the great financial crisis. And back then, it took the Fed seven years to lift Fed funds rate, the Fed funds rate from zero. And even then, when they did raise interest rates, it was deemed to, to be premature. And they ended up having to pause for another year. And I don't have to tell you that those 10 years were pretty darn good for stocks. If you think about that and history repeats itself, well, rates could be close to zero until 2028. Even if the Fed has to raise interest rates sooner rather than later because the economy is getting overheated, I'm going to guess that they're going to be behind the curve. Inflation heating up isn't necessarily a bad thing for stocks, at least not early on, but it can be devastating for bondholders. 
that doesn't mean smooth sailing. Even when we had low interest rates and easy money policies, the market still corrected on occasion. Remember, it fell almost 20% in the fall of 2011. So I'm not saying that we're going straight up from here. No, I think we're in an era of volatility and we're going to have a plethora of sizable corrections in front of us. But I do believe the path of least resistance is going to be higher over the next several years. To sum it up, I'm in buy the dip mode. I'll also say that I think the next few years is going to be different than what we saw the last few years when it was just a handful of stocks driving the market. And I'll talk about this on upcoming shows. But I think it's time to start shifting the composition of some portfolios. That's my long-term view of things. Let me throw in my short-term view for whatever it's worth. The market, and when I say the market, I'm referring to the S&P 500. The market suffered its sixth, well, 5 to 10% pullback since the March lows last week. And yes, it has wrung out some of the excesses, but I wouldn't go chasing stocks. I think you still need to exercise some caution here in the run-up to the presidential elections, especially since we don't get a lot of economic news or earnings between now and then. And, you know, you look back September and October, well, they've typically been difficult months for the market. This week, we started off slingshotting to the upside on the back of a flurry of merger announcements. Seems like Merger Monday may be coming back in vogue again. But again, I'm skeptical that this correction is over. So resist the temptation of piling back in the stocks. On the last show, I talked about getting started on planning, saving, and investing. And today I wanted to give you a short list of rules to follow that will hopefully make you a better investor over the long run. The first one is have a plan and stick to it. Have a plan, and I mean a real plan, and then commit to it. If you're building a house, well, you go out and you get blueprints. If you decided to challenge yourself, maybe run a marathon or something, then you'd probably come up with a training program. If at some point you want to retire, and I'll put retiring quotes here because retirement means so many different things to so many different people. But if you want to retire at some point, you probably should have a plan. The plan is the foundation. It tells you what you need to do savings wise and tells you what your investments need to do for you. And once you know this, well, then you can start to develop your asset allocation of stocks, bonds, and cash, how much you want in each of those. And if you don't need to take a lot of risk, then I would suggest that you don't. Since sports are making a comeback here, I'll give you a sports analogy. If your favorite team is winning 40 to nothing in the first half, do you think they're going to come out and come out in the second half and start throwing Hail Marys? No. They're going to play smart. They're going to play more defense and they're just going to try not to blow it because the goal is to win the game, not to score as many points as you can. To sum it up, have a plan. Turn the invisible into the visible. Develop a reasonable asset allocation with the goal being of either meeting or exceeding your plan with the appropriate amount of risk. Rule number two would be value oriented. I was on a call earlier this morning and there was a discussion about growth versus value. One is outperforming the other and which one is better. I think this is really more of a debate for the asset allocators than the actual value investors. 
when folks make comparisons, they're generally referring to or using the indexes to form their opinion. The problem with that is the indices definition of value isn't mine or that of a lot of folks. There are a lot of branches of the value tree. You have deep value, growth at a reasonable price. What I focus on is high quality businesses selling for less than what I think they're worth. If I can do that, then I think you naturally assume less risk. Now, that doesn't mean no risk. There's always risk in investing. My point here is that if you can buy something for less than what it's worth, therefore take less risk, well, that just sounds like good common sense to me. Be value-oriented. Don't go chasing something just because it's going up at the moment. And then the last one, and then we'll call it quits for the day, be patient. Don't expect to have an investment payoff right after you buy it. Own good companies based on their fundamentals and exercise patience. I'm buying companies not because I think they're going to go up tomorrow. That's just guessing. I'm buying companies looking down the road, thinking about where they're going to be in a couple of years from now. The market is going to go up and the market's going to go down. Your guess is as good as mine as to what's going to happen in the market tomorrow. But if you have a good, solid plan, you're value-oriented and you're patient, I think you'll do pretty well for yourself. If you need help or have questions, well, give us a call. The number is 571-261-7670, or you can email us at podcast at xmlfg.com. Okay, that's it for today. I'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. I'm Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.